and Christy, I apologize for some reason. The uh, it's, it keeps kicking me off. We had some issues with the internet earlier in the week. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. I've obviously got my notes here. So um, I feel I felt led last week to do it. I want to do it again um, this week. I just want to plant some verses, uh, water some verses in your heart. Um, Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. Do you mind putting those up on the screen? Let's just do it that way. That way we can kind of run through these quickly. Um, Luke 17 and 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, I think this was based upon a few things at least, but the key one is that they realized how important faith was uh, in their ability um, to minister to other people, and their ability to receive from God. We see that you know, every miracle that Jesus was involved in, was a part of, faith was in, uh, involved in it and part of it. And so they asked Jesus to increase their faith. And the good news is your faith can increase. Amen? Faith is something that we need to view as a muscle that can be developed given the right um, uh, nourishment, the right exercise. It's something that can grow and increase. I think it's interesting as well that when they asked Jesus to increase their faith, Jesus taught them about the power of a seed and about the power of a servant. Okay, and so the way our faith is increased in, in sowing, uh, in serving, in, in doing, amen, and certainly um, our faith uh, will increase. Praise God. Acts chapter 16 and verse 5 is the next verse. It says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, one of the things that we're seeing here is a recipe for healthy growth. Healthy church growth, healthy uh, financial growth. We'll see that one in just a moment. Um, and it involves growing and strengthening in faith. Let me say it another way. It's not a coincidence that as the churches were strengthened in faith that they increased in number daily. There is a a powerful connection there that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see. All right, the next passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians 10 and 15, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. And here the Apostle Paul is talking about the uh, churches and individual members of those churches growing in faith. And as their faith is increased, um, that will translate into them having more financial resources to put back into the work of the ministry. So here we see faith increasing corresponding to financial increase. The next one is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. And we'll look at this one in two translations and then we'll get into the meat of our sermon tonight. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Come on now. Your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. This same passage from the Passion Translation we feel a personal responsibility to continually be thanking God for you, our spiritual family, every time we pray. 
And we have every reason to do so because your faith is growing marvelously beyond measure. The unselfish love each of you share for one another is increasing and overflowing. Wow. All right, let's go now to Luke, the eighth chapter, and let's uh, continue to study and learn about uh, the things that the Holy Spirit has led us to. We're in a series that we're calling Faithmatics. Faithmatics. And by Faithmatics, we mean um, to carry out and accomplish by the established manner of faith. We said that we're becoming faithmaticians. And a faithmatician is someone with extensive knowledge and skills in the use of faith to solve otherwise impossible life problems. Amen? You interested? Is that you? Is that me? Amen. I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm on my way, and, and I think we're on our way together. I like growing marvelously beyond measure. Your faith is growing marvelously beyond measure. Can I just, can I just confess that over us tonight? Our faith is growing marvelously beyond measure. Man, that's exciting to me. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 8, verse 41. The last few sermons have been, have been titled case studies in faith and healing case studies in faith and healing so the idea here is that we have some specific miracles specific healing specific cases where people received from God by faith they recorded they're recording the scripture for you and me to look at study learn from be blessed by but ultimately so that our faith can grow as well. Amen. Listen to me, please. Hearing the Word without doing the Word is an exercise in self-deception. That's what the Bible teaches us. And, and so, please hear me. We can't just listen to teaching about faith and not do anything with it. We've got to send our faith into the field of our lives as a servant to work on our behalf. And, and, and it may be a bit awkward for you at first if you've never done that. It requires some effort. It requires some practice or even that word exercise. It requires some exercise on our part. Okay. So again, hearing without doing is to deceive yourself. But listen to me, please. Faith still comes by hearing. In other words, hearing is important. A lot of people are very weak in faith because they have very little understanding of faith. You're not, listen, the Bible's very clear. We've covered this already. Some of you may not have been here for those sermons, those lessons, but Romans 12, 3 says God's given to every person the measure of faith. So it's, it's not that we don't have faith. The disciples recognized that they had faith, that they had faith. They just wanted their faith to increase. And notice Jesus gave them instructions. It's kind of like when they were arguing about who was the greatest. Jesus didn't rebuke them for desiring to be great. He explained to them how to be great by, by becoming the servant of all. He said the first in line is going to be last, but the one who deliberately moves to the back to serve others, that's the one that will be promoted. And, and, and he's saying it works different in the kingdom. So when they said increase our faith, Jesus didn't say 
you know, in other words, it wasn't that he dismissed that request. He gave them instructions and, and teachings on how to increase their faith. How to, and notice, increasing their faith began with a, a, a new way of looking at or understanding faith. Faith as a seed to be planted, faith as a servant to go and work. Okay, you still with me? So when we say case studies in faith and healing, there's a lot of understanding for us in, in these case studies. Now ultimately, we've got to do something with the faith that we've been given, but the more we understand, and remember faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, the more we hear, amen, it's putting us in a position to be more effective in our exercise. To be more, it's kind of like if, you know, um, it's like somebody goes down to the, to the gym, you know. Uh, if, if you don't know what you're doing on some of those machines, you can hurt yourself, right? Uh, you're, you're there, you're gung-ho, you're ready to exercise, right? But you need some understanding in order to do it effectively and get the maximum benefit um, from your effort, from your labor. The Bible says bodily exercise profits little, but godliness profits in, in all areas. So I'm, I'm making that parallel there, but... If we'll get some understanding to go with our zeal to grow in faith, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to serve us well as we continue to move forward in these things. All right? So Luke chapter 8, verse 41, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house, for he, had only, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now, let me just go ahead and plant again something we know from another gospel account. From another gospel account, we don't know that she's 12. We just know that it's his daughter. This account includes how old she is. The other gospel account includes what he said. And he said, if you come to my house, I know that my daughter will live. Now, again, in, in these case studies, what I've asked you to look for and ask the Holy Spirit to help you see, find and see, is to find the faith. There's that man's faith. His faith was released and revealed in what he stated. He said, if you come to my house, I know my daughter will live. That was where his confidence was. His confidence, his faith was in Jesus coming to his house. He believed if Jesus came to his house, his daughter would live. There's his faith. Jesus said, I'll come. And away he goes. Now, as he's on his way, we have, a, this is a twofer, right? We got two case studies here. And it's interesting because as we look at them both, so now a woman, we don't know her name, but the details that we know about her is that she had been sick for 12 years, deathly sick, with a terminal condition, and she spent every penny she had on medical doctors, and she was none the better. The Bible says she had suffered many things at the hands of those physicians. But now this woman, she goes through the crowds. Let's go, verse uh, 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Now again, we're, we're looking at all the scriptures and we have... These recorded by different gospel writers. We have more details in, in, about this in other gospel accounts. We know that this woman, again, find her faith. Her faith, she said, if only I touch the hem of his garment, 
I will be healed. Notice, her faith was different from Jairus' faith. Her faith was not, if Jesus comes to my house, I'll be healed. If Jesus comes and lays hands on me, I'll be healed. If Jesus comes and, you know, makes three Belgian waffles and, and you, know, you see what I'm saying? No, it was, if, her faith was if I touched the hem of his garment. Notice, this doesn't even involve talking to Jesus face to face. This doesn't, her faith is, is not even that she has to ask him or have a conversation with him. She believes, fully persuaded, 100% convinced, that if she touches the hem of his garment, she will be healed of her disease. And so that's exactly what she did. And guess what? She received that healing. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. You say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Okay? Now, this is really important right here. Because a lot of times when we think in terms of healing, we think of something like really mysterious, or spooky, or, you know, twilight zone-ish, or whatever. Do you understand that divine or supernatural healing is similar in many ways to what we might call natural or physical healing. In other words, if you were to cut your hand tonight, your body would immediately go to work on healing that wound. You were created for healing, my friend. Your body was designed to produce healing within itself. Are you following me? Let's say, um, let's say you had some kind of physical sickness, maybe some type of infection, and you took some antibiotics. Again, I don't exactly understand how all that works, but but notice, you're taking a substance into your body, physical substance into your body, that is now helping to work together with your body's natural ability to heal itself and, and, and bolster that and expedite that, so forth and so on. You with me? Now here, this individual, this lady, she's being healed, but it, it wasn't magic. It wasn't. In other words, just like antibiotics going into a person's body, something left Jesus' body and went into her body that healed her. Are you with me? I know, you, you say, well, you're kind of stating the obvious here, Pastor Mark. Well, okay, if I'm stating the obvious, that's fine. But I'm wanting you to see here that, that there, there is machinery involved here. It's spiritual machinery, but nonetheless, something's happening here. Something is, is, is and, it, and it happened that fast. You follow me? Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. Jesus didn't tell her to take a Z-pack. He, he put his hand on, on her hand. He touched her on the hand, and the fever left her immediately. Again, we don't have it so explicit here. I perceived, I felt something leave me and go into her, but, but I guarantee you something did. In other words, something was transmitted from Jesus into Peter's mother-in-law that instantly removed her fever and instantly restored her strength. See, when your body's fighting a fever, 
Your body becomes weakened, right? I mean, white blood cells are literally sacrificing themselves, you know, rushing to the battle to fight that infection, right? And it, and it weakens you. So we see that, that, that when Jesus imparted the glory of God, the power of God into her, it not only instantly removed the fever, right? You understand that that fever could have killed her or, you know, she could have laid around for, you know, six or seven days and that fever eventually ran its course. Fever broke, sweats. You, you've been there, right? <clears throat> Let me get a drink of water, praise God. In other words, it could have ran its course and she could have died or it could have ran its course and she'd been okay. And, you know, kind of limped around for a while and eventually got her strength back. But, but I know what, I'm saying whatever, I don't mean it in a, in, a, in a disrespectful way. Whatever it was that Jesus imparted into her, and we know that was the power of God, the glory of God, however we want to categorize that, healing power of God, let's just say it that way. It did in her body, in a split second, what trillions of white blood cells fighting to the death could have possibly accomplished in, in you know, weeks and then, you know, days of, 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 of recovery and, and, and get her. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Maybe you got this already, but listen to me. There is, there is no telling what this woman endured at the hands of the physicians. Some people disagree with it. It's not a 100% agreed upon um, historical fact. But there are, there are historians who believe that we actually accidentally killed our founding father, George Washington, because, you know, they thought if, if they could let enough bad blood out of him, it would make him better, right? Whereas they didn't know. They, they knew enough to be dangerous that, that these things affected the blood, and if we could get that bad blood out, and literally that they bled him to death trying to... So there's no telling what this woman had done to her. There's no telling what potions and concoctions and and remedies and all these things that, that they would tell her to take or drink or put into her body to try to fix her. None of that worked. When it says she suffered at the hands of the physicians, amen, they put her through the ringer and none of it fixed her, okay? Again, healing, the healing power of God left Jesus' body, went into her body, Can you imagine how weakened she must have been from bleeding for 12 years? I, I, bet she, I bet her complexion was as white as Brother Oris' shirt. I bet she was pale, fragile, just could hardly get around. I mean, again, touched her. She, I mean, she made that connection. Healing power flowed into her. Wow. Instant. Instant. So again, verse 46. Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. 
And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. Now, I know we've said some version of this multiple times, and we're going to keep saying it. There were lots of people who put a hand, I'm going to say it that way, who put a hand on Jesus that day. But of all of those, we're going to keep it conservative, hundreds of people, I believe it was more than that. If it was dozens of people, if it was, you know, if you just want a nice even number, 250 people touched Jesus that day, put a hand on him, in other words. Only one of them was healed. So if one person out of, you know, 250, whatever, one person out of hundreds of people, if she got results and the others didn't, do you see why she becomes a very valuable case study for those of us who want to become more skilled, more developed, and ultimately increase in our faith. There's this lady right here, she is, um, <laughs> she is a, uh, a gem. Her story is a gem for us. It is, I don't mean gem like gymnasium, I mean gem like diamond for us. It is, it is, um, it is precious for us. All right? Now, again, she was one in a crowd of hundreds of people attempting to put a hand on Jesus in hopes of receiving healing that day. She received healing when no one else did. Okay? Now, for those of you who are new to the study, we've already looked at the difference between a general faith versus a specific one. It's one thing to generally believe that Jesus can do something. It's another thing to specifically believe he has done it or will do it can do it, is ready to do it for you, right? Now, there are three key areas. Um, Sister Christie, this is slide number 26, right? Our, our, our sister was, thank you for helping us, Holy Spirit, tonight. Praise God. One of, the, one of the things that the Lord is, and I'm just going to talk about me, and you figure where you fit into all this, okay? But one of the things the Lord has been talking to me about is that we, we got to be honest here about these things. I, I got to, in other words, so many people stay in a state of immaturity, period, in their spiritual development, and also in a state of, of immaturity when it comes to their faith because they won't be honest. They won't, they won't, um, you know, they're not willing to pray the prayer that, you know, Matt's sermon, help my unbelief. They're, they're too interested in, in, in how they appear to other people and, and they're not willing to admit that they have a lot of room and opportunity to grow. 
So when we say she was fully persuaded, don't, don't let those words be lost on you because this is where a lot of people get confused about faith and what faith really is. She was, let me say it another way, she was 100% convinced. That's fully persuaded. Abraham's our example. Remember, when God first started talking to him, he was not fully persuaded. But over time, the Bible says he gave glory to God and he considered not his own body and, and he considered him faithful who had promised. And he came to a place, God brought him to that place of, of increasing in his faith where he became fully persuaded. If you're not fully persuaded, that's okay. You can get there. But if you're going to keep pretending like you're fully persuaded when you're not, amen, there's not a lot the Lord can help you to do because that's pride, right? That's pride to, you know, believe you're a faith ninja when you're, you know, really just a, uh, amen, rookie, novice, learning, growing. Amen or oh me? So she was fully convinced with no doubt whatsoever in three vital areas. Number one, in Jesus' ability to heal her. No question whatsoever. He was able to do it. No question whatsoever. He, he had already done even more astounding miracles than this. I mean, if you can raise a widow's son from the dead, certainly you have the ability to heal me of this stubborn illness. So she was 100% convinced. Her faith had zero unbelief or doubt contaminating it. Are you with me? Okay, zero contamination when it come to, it was, it, it was pure, okay? And that's good. Listen to me, that's good. And there are a lot of people who have at least a general faith that God is able. You, you hear me, okay? But again, she was fully convinced with no doubt whatsoever in three areas. Number one, Jesus' ability to heal her. Number two, Jesus' willingness to heal her. I've met a lot of people over the years. They believe God is able, but they do not believe He is willing. Okay? Now, in the coming days, we're probably going to cycle back around, circle back around to this one, because this, this right here is, well, let me, let me get ahead of myself, all right? If I have unbelief or doubt in my heart about something I'm believing God for, I can guarantee you it's going to be in one of these three areas. And I've already given you two. I'm going to give you the third one in just a minute. In other words, the doubt and unbelief is going to be in my ability. You know, I, I doubt his ability to do it or I doubt his willingness to do it. Okay? Or number three, she 
fully convinced, no doubt whatsoever, in Jesus' readiness to heal her. Okay? See, again, there are people who will tell you, yeah, I believe God's able, I believe God's willing, but you know, it's just the timing of the Lord. So if, if, you, if you have unbelief or doubt, if I have unbelief or doubt, it's going gonna, it's gonna to land in one of these three areas. I'm either going to question his ability, I'm going to question his willingness, or I'm going to question his readiness. Are you seeing this? I'm fixing to jump about two weeks ahead, but I'm, it's just stirring up in me, so I've got I to go with it for a minute, all right? If you take notes, write this down. And, and it's a question I want you to ponder, okay? It's really helped me. It's really, really helped me, all right? If, if you're believing God for healing in your body, here's the question you need to ask. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to write it down and I'm wanting you to take it before the Lord, okay? I'm wanting you to take it before the Lord. Here's the question. What has to be done for you to be healed? Okay? I didn't say it right. What do you believe... Let me get it right. Let me get down here to my notes. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What, I was close. <laughs> what do you believe has to happen for you to be healed? What do you believe has to happen for you to be healed? Now remember, I can't believe I just jumped over all those notes. That's fine. I'm, we're finished right here. Are you good? You got a couple minutes? What's that question about? That's why I'm wanting you to write it down. I'm wanting you to take it before the Lord. That question right there will help you and me identify where our doubt and unbelief resides. Amen. What has to happen? Let's take it out of the category of healing. Let's take it out of the arena of healing. And let's go to, I, I would imagine every person in the room tonight is born again. Okay. But let's just for, imagine for a moment that you're not born again. What has to happen for you to be born again? What has to happen? You see, you see, now you say, well, well but, but healing's not like that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Is the Lord willing to save you tonight? Is he able to save you tonight? Is he ready to save you tonight? The Bible says if you come to him, he'll in no wise cast you out. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Nobody in here being prevented from receiving salvation because God's He's willing and able, but He's just not quite ready. Come, see me, see me in a few weeks. No, see. And I dare say most every person in this room 100% convinced in the Lord's ability, His willingness, and His readiness To save any person in here that doesn't know the Lord. 
I've seen sons get up and come to the altar to re receive salvation and their mamas start crying, rejoicing over them being saved before they even hit their knees. They haven't even prayed the prayer yet and mama is back there thanking God for her son's salvation. That's how convinced she is in God's ability and willingness and readiness to affect salvation in her, in her son. Compare that to somebody coming forward to receive prayer for healing. We're going to see if Pastor Mark's got it tonight or not. We're going to see if See, see what happens. You know, well, what have we got to lose? You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe they pray for me tonight and something will happen. You, you see the difference, right? What I'm describing to you right now is the difference between thronging and touching. That woman didn't go touch Jesus to see if something would happen. That woman had already declared what was going to happen when she touched him. How about the difference between, um, I'm going to go see if I can receive healing versus when, uh, when Brother Matthew lays hands on me, I will be healed. Amen. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? What has to happen for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Some Pentecostal religions will tell you you've got to tarry, but again, that's not in the Scriptures. See, I am 100% convinced tonight that Jesus is able, willing, and ready to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And that He is willing, He's able, and He's ready to heal you right now. Right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. A few things the Lord spoke to me. And then, amen. We'll, we'll jump back in here next Wednesday. He said this woman had a specific and personal problem. And her specific and personal problem calls for specific and personal faith. And that specific and personal faith calls for specific and personal action. This is why we see emphasized so many times in these miracles what the person who received the miracle said and did. Think about it for a minute. Again, if you want to find the faith in these um, case studies of, of faith and healing in the Scriptures, look for the faith, and let me tell you where you'll find the faith. You'll find the faith in what they said and what they did. And here's the amazing thing about it to me, and I guess I've known this, I guess I've seen this, but I've never seen it, and I've never known it like I see it and know it now, is how different it is. They didn't all say and do the same thing. 
Jairus didn't say and do what the woman with the issue of blood said and did. Because that was, where, that was Jairus' faith. Jairus was 100% convinced that Jesus was able and willing and ready to heal his daughter if Jesus would come to his house. The woman's faith, in my opinion, was even stronger or greater than Jairus's because she was 100% convinced that Jesus was not only able and willing and ready, that he didn't even have to do anything for her to receive healing from him. All she had to do, so let's go back to the question, what has to happen for you to be healed? For Jairus, what had to happen for his daughter to be healed was Jesus had to go to his house, right? What had to happen for the woman with the issue of blood to be healed? What had to happen in her faith was she had to touch the hem of his garment. Praise God. Praise God. So what has to happen for you? What has to happen for me? Amen. And listen, I'm not, I, I, it's not a trick question. But this is where the Holy Spirit now, if you'll start meditating on that script, on that question, and, and ask the Holy Spirit, He'll come alongside you and begin to show you. Amen. This is what needs to happen. This is what needs to change. This is what you need to stop saying. This is what you need to start saying. This is, this is what you need to quit thinking. This is, what, this is what you need to start thinking. He'll show you. He's, that's, his, that's part of his assignment is to help us. Amen. Let him help you. Let him help you. And listen, I mean, if you want to come bounce it off of me, you can come bounce it off of me or somebody else you trust. But, but, you know, he told Jesus some stuff like make some little balls out of mud and stick them in that man's empty eye sockets. In other words, he, he, made, he made, Father, what has to happen for this to come to pass in my life? What has to happen for my family to be restored? What has to happen for, for me to get out of debt? What has to happen for my body to be healed? What has to happen for me to get a better job? What has to happen? You follow what I'm saying? What has to happen here, Lord? If you understand that He wants you to have good things and nice things and be healed and prosper and all that stuff, if, if, if we're not experiencing that, Lord, what has to happen for it? To, and, and then be open and honest and let Him show you. And he will. He'll help you. He's not trying to hurt you. He, he wants you blessed more than you want to be. Amen. And then don't, like I said, don't, it, 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 it might be something a little strange. We certainly have seen some strange things in the scriptures, right? This is what I believe. When it's something strange... In other words, it'll be something, how do I say this? It, it, it'll, it'll be like inside joke. Anybody understand inside joke? Pam and I have some inside jokes, right? We've been together for a long time, right? Stuff, <laughs> in other words, it, it may be silly to you, but it means something to me and her. 
See, a lot of times when it's some strange thing the Lord's instructing you to do, I'm telling you this by the Holy Spirit tonight. It's going to be something that He knows, and, and even Him Him instructing you in that in that area it's it's going to be an it's going to be an inside thing in other words to the average person it may seem like the most bizarre crazy ridiculous thing but it means something to you and he's saying that to you because it's his way of confirming to you he's got your number you are you are you hearing me he's got your number Amen. Do you understand what I mean by that? Like he'll say, he, I, I feel compelled just to go a little deeper. Somebody in here, you're pulling this out of me. So listen to me, please. I don't even know how to give you an example of this. I'm trying to, my mind is racing for, for a personal example. But, but again, he's, he's asking you to do something that may not necessarily be a biblical example of how somebody else received healing or breakthrough or what have you in their lives but he's he's doing a, one of two things he's zeroing in on something that that's holding you back that you need to turn loose of you need to move past you've been intimidated you hadn't taken that step of faith you need to take it you need to turn loose you need to move forward all right or he's asking you to do something because he knows that you know amen that that this is something that's near and dear to you, something that's precious to you, something that's meaningful to you. And it's his way of communicating, you know, to you that this is, this is a step that you need to take. Amen. Amen. What has to happen? What has to happen? Amen. The one thing I'm going to absolutely guarantee you, are you ready? Is it's not something that has to happen on his end. It's something that has to happen on our end. It's not, you know, it's not like, it's not like he's going to tell you like, well, you know, I mean, Jesus has to go be, be beaten again. As soon as we get around to that, we can get some healing to you. No, no, see, he's, he's provided all of that. He's given all of that. So there's, there's some area. Um, again, the unbelief may not be in his ability. For a lot of people, it's in willingness. And, and not even that God's willing to heal, it's just, is he willing to heal me? Right? So it's, it's those last two. It's the willingness and it's the readiness. And see, part of the readiness is we use it as an excuse. You know, there's no such thing as going to get healed. No such thing as going to get healed. Amen. But see, we kick the can down the road. So, well, you know, if not today, then one day. No, 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 see, today. Now is the day. Amen? Amen. All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 If you need healing in your body tonight, I want you to lift your hand right where you're standing. Just lift your hand. Need healing in my body. Wow. 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 Father, you see these hands. Lord, I didn't do an official count, but just it, it looks to me like more people in this room need healing than 
than those who don't need healing, Father. And so, Lord, you know, my zeal and excitement makes me want to raise my voice, but it's like the Holy Spirit's telling me, you don't even have to raise your voice. Just, we say to you tonight in the name of Jesus, through His name and faith in His name, be healed. We release healing in this room. We declare your ability. We declare and embrace your willingness. We declare and embrace your readiness. And we say, Father, the only thing that needs to happen is for us to receive it by faith. And we do that simply and honestly now in Jesus' name. And I say to my brothers and my sisters in this room, you're healed in Jesus' name. We believe, we receive it now, and we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now I want to hear the testimonies. I want to hear the testimonies. When I, you believe you believe you're healed? All right, I want to hear the testimonies coming soon to a service near you. Amen. All right, shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Hey, 